And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and it is state of the program time. And, and we have an interesting one today because Colton Pouncey, our Michigan State writer, has not actually written his official state of the program story yet. But I think the column he wrote on Sunday qualifies as the definitive piece on the state of Michigan State's program in the last five years, because it explains so much. Colton, the genesis of this thing is Michigan State had a streak of 80 years with a player drafted get snapped. Mm. Hold on. You didn't hear me wrong there. <laughs> 80 years. 80. So, Colton, Colton, when when you see that, you know, and you kind of you expected it given what, what was coming out, but what was going through your mind? Yeah, you know, I'm watching the, the final day of the draft. I'm like, okay, they, they're probably going to get one player picked here. Um, so I sat through that thing for hours and hours, staring at my TV, had my computer in front of me. And all of a sudden it was over. No Michigan State players were drafted. And I was just like, you know what? This is just absolutely perfect. This is just kind of a, a nice summary of the final years of the Mark D'Antonio era, really. I mean, when you look at no players drafted, you went 80 straight years of having at least one. And then all of a sudden, you have no players drafted. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it was kind of a product of Mark D'Antonio's final years, um, you know, the lack of recruiting buzz, being able to get talent in there, some issues with the 2016 recruiting class. I, I tried to cover most of that in, in the column, but there are just so many issues, so many uh, things that went wrong for those final few years there. And I figured, hey, this is a good time to kind of talk about that. Well, and it is. It, it's a it's a fascinating topic, and that's why I, I – People may say, oh, you just did a whole Michigan podcast. Why are you doing a whole Michigan State podcast? Because this is really interesting. This is a program that was kind of you know, helping carry the Big Ten along with Ohio State early in the decade. And then it just went down. And, and you, know, you talk about the lack of recruiting buzz, but it's it was at, weirdly their highest rated recruiting class that kind of caused the issues that, that created the downfall. And then you have the situation that Mel Tucker walked into, which I think is probably the hardest situation of any coach who got hired last mm -hmm. year. And every coach was in a hard situation getting hired before the pandemic. But his his situation was just even worse. So let's let's go back. I think I think the probably the best place to start is you know, like 2015. They've just won the Big Ten. They've made the playoff. They're recruiting the class of 2016. They're starting to cash in on the buzz of being a really good, consistent program. What happens from there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, you look at that 2013 to 15 run, Michigan State went 36 and five, won a Roseville in 2013, that season, go to the college football playoff in 2015. Like those are things that this program has not done. There are still very few coaches that have made it to a college football playoff. Mark D'Antonio is one of them. So when you reach that level of success, you got to figure out, okay, how do I stay at the top? And I think that's what went wrong for Michigan State. They just couldn't sustain that. And, you know, credit to Mark D'Antonio in a way, because after that 2015 season, 2016 recruiting class comes around, 
that was his highest rated class that he signed at Michigan State. It was number 17 on 24-7 sports composite rankings, had a ton of four-star talent, guys from Detroit that they were losing to Michigan in past years, they got him. And I think part of that was because D'Antonio went out and hired a guy named Curtis Blackwell, who had a lot of um, connections in the Detroit area, brought him on staff and helped him land a lot of those kids. But I think they were, the problem with that class, it wasn't talent. It wasn't stars. It wasn't that wasn't the issue. It was character concerns and maybe overlooking mm-hmm. some guys because those, those some of those guys came in with issues. And D'Antonio said, you know what, we'll, we'll overlook some of those things. It's not using my typical player that I go out and recruit, but. Let's try to let's try to extend this window. And so I have to give him credit for at least trying, but it just backfired in such a major way. You know, there were so many there were some misses in that class on player evaluations, um, legal issues, sexual assault allegations. I mean, a lot of those players were kicked off the team or or left on their own power. I think by the end of it, there are about seven or eight players from the 20 man class that actually finished at Michigan State. And when you have that there, kind of attrition. The, yeah, go ahead. One of the signees, I remember they had to delay his signing because didn't he get arrested like the day before signing day or on signing day? It was very close to it. Yeah. And like they still ended up taking him, which that should have been a red flag right there. Um, But again, that's kind of his approach for that class where, yeah, we're going to take some risks and, you know, I trust my culture that we're going to get these guys in here and then we're going to set them straight. But that didn't happen. And I think the result of that was you have a failed class that was supposed to be your best ever. It's, It's really ironic that your best, highest rated class end up being the worst and the one that kind of set you back for years. Um, it, it's interesting though, because you think about it, you know, the, the guys they built that on it and you, you included a quote from urban Meyer mm-hmm. that, that was from the pregame show in 2019 on Fox. And I remember watching that live and thinking, wow, I didn't think about it. Cause he was talking about when he got to the big 10 and the type of players that Michigan state, they had Le'Veon Bell, they had Kirk cousins. They had, I think Will Golston was on, on that team at the time. I, it, there were a lot of really good players mm-hmm. at Michigan state, but there were also some, some players, you know, Jack Conklin, who is a kid from Michigan who nobody really wanted. Michigan state was his only offer. Our Darquez Denard from a tiny, tiny town in Georgia, whose other offer was like middle Tennessee state. You know, that that's the type of players that they made a lot of hay off of in the past. And, and I do wonder, you know, when they decided to go for the more uh, high profile recruits, were they not good at evaluating those guys or, or not bad, bad question? Were they not as good at evaluating those guys? Because it's a different kind of evaluation as they were at evaluating the diamond in the rough type guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think they just, you know, I think they. A guy like, again, when you get a guy like Curtis Blackwell who has those connections in state, in Detroit area, which those are a lot of guys at Michigan State weren't quite always getting. You know, again, you mentioned like their bread and butter really was like going to Ohio and getting those like high three star players that maybe Ohio State didn't want, that the Notre Dames didn't want, you know, schools like that. Like that. And you tell them, come into my program, play with a chip on your shoulder. You know, that, that kind of mindset. That's what worked for D'Antonio early on. And I think when he kind of deviated from that, you know, I, it's hard. It's like, I you know, credit to you for, for taking the chance, but also like you have to make sure that those players that you're getting are hits because otherwise that can, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, but I mean, it clearly backfired for him. So, you know, I think it was more a matter of, you know, hey, we're going to take some swings and we'll see what happens. But I don't think he, you know, I think the, the bigger issue was after that class, you don't have to stop recruiting four star guys like you can right. still go after high end players. Just these didn't work out. Yeah. Right. But I think that was his issue. I think he tried to overcorrect for those players that were misses. And 
I think he went back to Ohio and was like, hey, let me get these guys. But the issue then was you had schools like Kentucky with, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Stoops and Vince Morrow and, uh, you know, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati who have great ties in the state of Ohio. They were watching Michigan State all those years and saying, well, why can't we do that with our programs? And that's what they did. So there's more competition in states like Ohio that D'Antonio was in there, trusted those coaches' evaluations, was getting players from that state. There's more competition there. So he wasn't getting the same level of talent. He's probably taking some plan B and C guys when he would normally go in there and get whoever he wanted. So I think that was a bigger issue. He tried to overcorrect well, to a point. Yeah, And that that was my bigger question, because not to turn you into Ari Wasserman, uh, who also <laughs> is Mark's, Mark Stoops' publicist. Yeah. But, I mean, how, how much did – because Mark Stoops goes to Kentucky with that as a plan. I mean, he said it probably during his interview with Mitch Barnhart. Hey, I have all these connections in Ohio. There are good players there. I'm going to go say, hey, do you guys want to come play in the SEC? And then, oh, by the way, there's this other guy named Pat Narduzzi who <laughs> yeah. worked worked at Michigan State for a little while who's doing the same thing for Pittsburgh. And, you know, I, you're right. It, it, it probably got to where the pool – that was pretty big when Mark D'Antonio and and when Pat Narduzzi was at Michigan State and and that crew were going into Ohio and doing that. When they come back to do it, you know, after sixteen, there's a lot of competition, a lot. Yeah, yeah. and I and I think that's kind of where he messed up. I, if I were Mark D'Antonio back then, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but. I would probably expand my recruiting map a little bit more if you see that you have some more competition there. I mean, you can still get the go after players you want, absolutely. But, I mean, you see what Mel Tucker is doing right now. He's opening up the map. He's going into California. He wants to go into Florida, Georgia, New Jersey, all over the place, and offering more guys for class. D'Antonio was kind of, well, I'm going to stick to what I know, offer a smaller group, and, you know, I'm going to coach him up. And, you know, it worked for him, so I, you can't fault him. But at the same time, like, we saw the results. It didn't work out for him. Well, and, and if you think about it, Michigan State is a school that probably can recruit a bigger area because Absolutely. look, you're gonna fly you're gonna fly your official visitors into Lansing. But from a practical standpoint, let's say you live in another state, you're probably just gonna take that direct flight to Detroit and drive up to East Lansing, which is not a bad drive. And there's a direct flight to Detroit from pretty much every city in the country. So yeah. that it's it is possible to do that, but uh, you know the the exit for D'Antonio just always confused me, Colton. I, I did he not see the writing on the wall until after he'd gotten through a season and said, you know what, okay, this is gonna because he left like right around signing day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he should have he should have announced his retirement at the end of the regular season. Had the bowl game be the celebration instead, they they had this incredibly weird search that that results in Mel Tucker, who I think might do a pretty good job, but. It feels like they could have given themselves a, a lot bigger pool done another way. And it was really weird to watch unfold. I mean, you talk about the Urban Meyer quotes about NFL uh, Michigan State's lack of NFL talent um, in November. That was after Michigan State lost to Michigan 44 to 10. And the following week when we had Antonio at, at press conferences, he had pretty much all Detroit media in there for that specific press conference to ask him, like, hey, dude, what's the plan here? Like, how yeah. are you going to turn this around? And it was funny because D'Antonio was basically like, well, you know, my father always told me to complete the circle and I don't feel like I've completed it yet. So I want to stick this through and, and try to complete the circle. No one really knew what he meant by that because, you well, know, pa- circles. Papa D'Antonio probably didn't understand recruiting cycles. <laughs> probably would not. Would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
I, so I, that's, me, that's the hardest part for me is, is just the timing of that and, and the situation Mel Tucker got plunged into. I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's anybody who could have had a lot of initial success in that situation. Right. And again, even if you like January comes by and we're like, okay, he's still here. So what are you going to do? Cause if you, if you recall the year before, you know, MSU's offense ranked like 126 in scoring in 2018. And what he did was he brought back every single coach on staff and just reorganized their titles, which was doomed from the start. But he, that's what he, he did. And people were like, well, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Didn't really work out. So now you're talking about January 2020 coming by and it's like, okay, dude, are you going to get a new offensive coordinator? You're going to bring in some fresh blood for recruiting because there was a lack of buzz for recruiting. You know, those right. coaches weren't really hitting the road. You know, they weren't doing the social media graphics and creative department things that a lot of schools are doing now. They probably knew what was going on too. I mean, yeah. if, if I'm an assistant on that staff, I'm like, like, what the heck? I mean, are we yeah. done? Are yeah. we not done? What, what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of gray area leading up to like his actual announcement. And then that came February 4th, 2020. And, you know, he goes, hey, you know, I feel like we need someone to come in here who has a three year vision because, you know, I'm tired of telling recruits like, yeah, I'll be here for your time. He even mentioned like a 2021 recruit. I'll be 65 or 66 for your first year. You know, I'll, I'll be getting up there. I don't know if I can see your whole career through the way you would like me to. So. I think it's time that I take a step aside and, and let someone else come in here. But the timing was terrible. It was two months after the coaching carousel really gets going, you know? So I, I think that was that really set Michigan State back last year and made for a pretty difficult first year for Mel Tucker. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So as as good as Mark D'Antonio was, and I think you could argue that he's either the best coach or the second best coach in, in the program's history. Yeah. How, how do Michigan state fans think of him now? Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I think he'll be appreciated more the, the further way we go from these years, but I still think there's a little bit of disappointment in how it ended because it didn't have to end that way. You know, I think if he had, again, you talk about the, you know, straying away from the high end guys, you know, he could have just gone to different States. He could have still checked that talent and maybe, put a bigger emphasis on character development and things like that. Um, he could have brought in new coaches and brought in fresh blood. Like, like the guy down the road did Jim Harbaugh had a bad season, went out, got some new coaches to try to help with recruiting. Mark D'Antonio didn't do that. He was set in his ways. He, you know, valued loyalty over change. And I think that's ultimately what did him in along with the recruiting stuff. But so I think for Michigan state fans, it's like, Hey, we appreciate everything you've done, but it didn't have to end like that. And I think that's probably the most bittersweet part of it. 
That is strange. And, and the thing is that staff continuity was was one of the big things that helped them mm-hmm. early on, helped them develop those players the way they did, helped them find the kind of players they found. And so I don't it's funny because I, I can't fault Mark D'Antonio for being that loyal because that was what was creating his success. I remember sitting in his office in 2015 and he was talking about how few assistants they'd gone through. And you could count on two hands the number of of assistant changes they had had since he got the job at that point. And then I did the same thing for Michigan over the same period, just with the sheer number of coaches who'd been through, because at that point they were on their third head coach since then. And it was just like, holy cow, it's, it's so much. And that was why Michigan was, it felt like this is why Michigan can't compete with Michigan state anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, a few years go by and it flips on him. The thing, the thing that was the strength became the weakness. Yeah. I, th- I think you make a great point. And I think for, for Mark Antonio, like, obviously you want to go with what's worked for you. You know, you had all that success. Like, yeah, like these guys helped me win a Rose Bowl. I want to keep them on staff. Like it's easy to say that. I, th- I don't think he paid attention enough to what was happening around him. I think he was so focused on what was happening with this program. Like, you know, I, I got my guys. We're going to bring in, you know, those three-star guys from Ohio. We're going to develop them like we always have. But I, I don't think he really paid attention to, you know, how are my coaches being received by these 16- and 17-year-olds? Because I've talked to right. guys since with the new staff taking over, and they say it's it's a 180. Like, there's so much more buzz with this recruiting staff. We feel more valued as players. Like, and again, obviously you want to sell your program and wins and stuff like that. But it, the other stuff matters. You have to be able to attract those well, 16, 17 year old players. Mel Tucker comes from a recruit every day kind of place because yeah. he's he's worked with Nick Saban. He's worked with Kirby Smart. That is you you just you recruit every day if you yes. work for those guys or you're Absolutely. fired. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I don't I think D'Antonio's lack of adjustments and maybe looking at the the college football recruiting landscape and just other things changing around him, I think that's and it, he, I mean, he really doubled down. So I think that was kind of like what, what did him in at the end there. So Mel Tucker takes the job. And, and you know, I know people want to criticize Mel Tucker for leaving Colorado after a year. <laughs> he did turn down Michigan State at first. When they back up that big of a Brinks truck, you gotta take none that. of us are saying no. No. Yes. It's millions Nobody's of dollars. Nobody's saying no. Yeah. Double your and salary. You can, and, Double your staff pool. I mean, that that mm-hmm. was the big one is, is they basically gave him carte blanche to make the program however he wanted to. And he comes in within, what, three weeks of arriving, everything shuts down. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what do you do? Like, how, <laughs> how did they handle? Because a, a, lot, a lot of first-year staffs were, were hamstrung by the pandemic. But at least they'd had like a winter conditioning program where the strength coach had got like – Mel Tucker didn't have a strength coach when the pandemic started. <laughs> no, it was tough. You know, he came in and he immediately had to put a staff together first and foremost. Um, this, and again, this was after signing day. So he couldn't even bring in like some of the guys he'd gotten at Colorado for that class and say, you want to come to East Lansing with me? He couldn't even do that. So I, I do think that set him back. And you, you mentioned like three weeks in, things shut down. And, uh, you know, that was tough for him. But, you know, Mel's not a guy that's going to make excuses. Um you know, you know about this is neutral thinking mindset, you know, not getting too high, not getting too low. Yeah, I think he's read that book. Yeah, maybe a little. The, um, this is I'm pointing to the book that I helped write that is uh, it takes what it takes. It's uh, me and uh, and Trevor Moad, who works with Mel uh, yeah. as the mental condition consultant. He's worked with Florida State and Alabama and, and Georgia before as well. Yeah. 
So, so I'm, that's kind of Mel's mindset. You know, he's like, well, we got a job to do, so we got to get it done some one way or another. So, you know, spring football comes around, that gets canceled. All right, what can we do next? Well, he's having Zoom calls with them like every other every other day, basically. You know, he's making sure that they are all on the same page, making, you know, they're kind of monitoring guys from afar with their strength and conditioning stuff, like just, you know, take them to the fields, grab some tires, toss them around, that kind of stuff. Then they finally <laughs> get them all back on campus in June. And then he's like, all right. You know, we're all together. Let's try to try to stay as healthy as possible and try to make it through the season. So it was really a tough spot to be put in. You know, again, I think he, it differs from other coaches who were hired last year just because he came in two months after them and then things shut down within three, four weeks. So it was a really tough spot. But, you know, again, he's not a guy that's going to kind of make excuses for himself. So on the field, it was what it was. But it was interesting the way it shook out because they he got him up for their – their two biggest games, they, they beat Michigan mm. and they beat Northwestern and, you know, they, they but they lose to Rutgers, you know, they, they, they didn't look good in some games. It was kind of Jekyll and Hyde, but it's, it's hard to judge on that season. But I did think the fact that he got them ready to play for those big games with what he, what he had, what Antonio left behind, I feel like that should give Michigan state fans some hope. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I was kind of looking for that because obviously he's never had a second year as a head coach. This will be his first time having a second year. But I looked at his first year at Colorado and he got that team up to play. I know they they finished five and seven, but they were in some games that probably people didn't expect them to be in that first year. So I was trying to see if he could do the same at Michigan State. I will say the 2020 year was, you know, COVID aside, just watching that Michigan State team was probably one of the weirdest seasons I've ever covered. Um, Because, again, week one. You lose to Rutgers. That's the one game everyone expects you to win. They lost by 11 points. They had like seven turnovers in the game. It was did not look bananas. good at all. Yeah, no. And uh, then the next week you come out. You're I think you're 21, 24 point underdogs to Michigan, something like that, and end up beating them. Um, and that was crazy. And that was like a huge lift for in-state recruiting and momentum. And you can use those wins even in year one to say, well, look at what we did in year one. Then go out to a prospect and say, well, we want you to do this. We want you to come to our program so we can do this every year. You know, that's the kind of player that's kind of, you know, recruiting sell point that this coaching staff craves. So then a couple of weeks later, you know, they, they come out and they beat number eight Northwestern at home. Like that was a huge win. So I think the bright spots were bright and they kind of give you hope for what's to come. Again, you know, they lost five games in between there and there's some yeah. lots in between. So, again, it, there's a lot yeah, of yeah. disconnect. But that, there's a lot yeah. of work to be done. But Absolutely. <laughs> it, so you in that column, you get into Mel Tucker's recruiting style, and obviously he, he comes from the Nick Saban tree uh, and, and was a defensive coordinator with Kirby Smart at Georgia. Those guys are big into what they call critical factors for each position, and some of those are intangibles, but a lot of those are very much tangible, measurable things. Like if you're a corner, they would like you to be six feet tall. They would like you to have arms that are X, X inches long. Like these, these things matter to them. So – did he have to open up the recruiting map to to be able to find the guys that that fit what's on each you know sheet for each position group? Yeah, I think he would have done it either way, just because he's been all over the place. He's got connections all over the country, but it certainly helps. I mean, uh, and again, you mentioned kind of his athletic attributes that he looks for. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I see is like the offensive line and defensive line. No, like every dude he's bringing in is at least six foot five. Um, the defensive linemen are probably in that like 240 to 260 range is what he would like them to be. Offensive linemen probably come in at like 280, 290, and then bulk them up over time. 
Um, but he wants those six, six tackles on the outside. That was something that him and, and Kirby Smart tried to make a point of emphasis when they first got to Georgia in 2016. They noticed that their offensive line was a little smaller, beefed them up, and now, you know, look where they're at. Um, so he wants to do the same with Michigan State. Obviously, you're not going to get the guys that Alabama and Ohio State are getting, like those high end five stars, but those guys have it all. They're six foot five. They can run like a four, 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 five, 40, things like that. Yeah. They got it all. But they're, you can they're sacrifice. ready to play now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But at Michigan State, when you're dealing with probably a lesser talent pool, you can sacrifice some of those attributes if you're still getting maybe the, the size profile that you like or the length that you like and things like that. And then you try to coach them up and develop them. So like whereas D'Antonio was taking like a 5'9 corner or like a 6'1", 6'2 defensive end, Tucker's getting bigger players that might be you know ranked lower or wherever. And he's like, well, once we have your physical attributes, we can coach you into being a good player. And then that's how we're going to compete with the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Michigans of the world and in our conference. And, and that's the part that I am curious to see how that works, because we haven't seen a lot of the, the Saban acolytes succeed. You know, Kirby Smart has had success. He's, he's gone to the, the national title game. He's won the SECs three times. But at Georgia, you can get those guys. You, you can recruit just like you can in Alabama. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, Florida State, you can recruit just like that. At Texas A&M, you can recruit just like that. Uh, the, the folks who've gone places where you can't necessarily recruit like that, uh, Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Dooley at Tennessee, for example. Um, mm. Will Muschamp at, at South Carolina. Will, Will Muschamp at Florida recruited really well. But uh, at Will Muschamp at South Carolina, you, it, it's, it's a little bit harder, but you you can find you can find the right physical attributes now now the question is can you coach him up and, but I, I do wonder I because I don't know that other than than urban Meyer we've seen that in the big Ten where somebody came in with with very defined ideas about who they were recruiting I would imagine Wisconsin's like that I would imagine that they they have a pretty good idea of what they're looking for at every position because that they, they just have a more defined identity than everybody else but I, that's the part I, I want to see in action because that that'll really determine the success of Mel Tucker and and you know how good is this staff at coaching those guys? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you know Mel Tucker he definitely has his own style. I'm not sure if every Michigan State fan has gotten used to that after D'Antonio, but um, you know he's got his approach and he's going to try to make it work. And I think the other thing that you know he has working for him is just how he's gone about the transfer portal. I, I don't know if another school this offseason that's worked the portal maybe as well as Michigan State has this offseason. Um, you know, they, I think they're up to 13 players that they brought in, um, probably have two more spots left that they'd like to fill. And I think by the time fall camp comes around, they'll have 34 new scholarship players that weren't on last year's team, which is just insane wow. roster turnover. That's like 40% of the 85-man roster will be new. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Tell you what, it reminds me of a school that I did the state of the program on that ran last week is Florida State. Very similar situation where they hit the transfer portal very hard, uh, their goal was to flip the roster and they seem to have succeeded in doing that. And they've got guys that like the, for instance, their starting quarterback, maybe a transfer, the best player on their roster right now, or the best NFL prospect on the roster, absolutely a transfer Jermaine Johnson from Georgia, yeah. uh, Michigan state just got Kavaris Crouch from, from Tennessee, yeah. who was a, a very good player for them early in his career. Um, you know, they, they've got Anthony Russo at quarterback from Temple, but it, it doesn't look – he's – will he start or, or looks like the, the incumbent might keep the yeah. job, right? Peyton Thorne has impressed a lot of people. I still think it's probably 50-50 at this point where Russo's still learning the playbook. Probably was a little bit behind the spring, so we'll have to see that one go in the fall. But I know they like him a lot. They think he has an NFL arm, so that will be interesting to see how that goes down. But, yeah, I mean, a guy like Kenneth Walker III, who was at Wake Forest last year – you know, he's everything they need at running back that they were missing last year. He's got great vision. He can hit the home run. Um, you know, he breaks a ton of tackles. They didn't have that. And I think, you know, their offensive line was pretty bad last year, but their running backs also kind of missed holes and, you know, didn't really fall forward when they were when they had contact. So I think that's everything that Kenneth Walker can bring to the table. You mentioned Crouch. He's an athletic guy, former five-star running back. Again, it's all about, one, building up the depth and the level of competition there to kind of get the most out of those players, and two, just – improving the athleticism on the roster. Maybe some of those guys end up turning into NFL players that can start a new draft streak here. <laughs> well, that's the, and, and also guys like uh, Jared Horse from, from Arkansas State. Like, that's yeah. a guy who, who played very well at that level, and he's going to play better in the Big Ten probably than any true freshman that you could sign. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's that goes back to Tucker not wanting to get complacent. Um, you know, he's... They're not going to win 10 games this year, but he wants he doesn't want them to go five and seven in year two. He wants to maybe get to seven and five, eight and four if you can. That might be a little wishful thinking, but he's trying to accelerate this thing as fast as possible. Getting guys like Jared Horst, who he had Ohio, uh, Oklahoma and Texas after him in the portal. Even after he committed to Michigan State, uh, Tucker said that Oklahoma made a last minute run at him. So you know, that's a guy that a lot of teams liked. Yeah, you know, so if you can get guys like that that can help you win this year while also recruiting the players you like and having them develop at their own pace. That's how you get back to where Michigan State was in the past. 
Well, and that's the thing. This this feels exciting. This feels different and and potentially fun. And that's it, that's something that seemed to be missing from Michigan State the last few years, which is it's just crazy when you think about it. It was not that long ago. It was six years ago that they won the Big Ten and made the college football playoff. They were a dominant program at yeah. that point. And I, I do think it, it's interesting when you when you think about this. I don't think it, it would take that long to get back. Depends what you mean by back. Back to CFP, that might take some time. But in terms of competing for the Big Ten and, and competing with the, the Big Four, right, Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, those teams, I think they can get back in a couple of years. You know, um, again, the 2019 year was really like the turning point for this whole thing, D'Antoni's final year, because against those four teams I just mentioned, Michigan State lost a combined 144 to 27 versus those four, wow. those four teams. Lost Golly. every game. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State is on another level at this point. Right. They're they're in a different a different place than they were even when Urban Meyer w- yeah. was there at first. So this is that's a hard one to judge against. I'm I'm thinking you're judging against Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin. That's second tier, yeah. And I I think within a year or two, if they do it right, they can be at the top of that second tier if they if they do really really well. Year one, they beat Michigan, and they were leading. Uh, Penn State at halftime in that game in December. So, you know, it's certainly possible. And again, it goes back to Mel Tucker's approach, and he thinks it can work here. He's fully confident that can work. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, that's one of the, we we would have that argument when it looked like D'Antonio was about done. What kind of job is Michigan State? You know, what level of yeah. job? I always thought it was a really good job. I always thought, you know, I think, and I think D'Antonio helped make it that way. He he showed you the path. He showed you it's possible. Now. You can't do exactly what he did because people like Mark Stoops and Pat Narduzzi are doing what he did, and that there's a finite amount of of resources in that particular area that's been strip mined now. But yeah. I do think if if you can get people, get a few good players there, have some success, you can get some buzz going. And and it does feel like there's more buzz. I, I certainly enjoy following their social media accounts more. <laughs> yeah, they, they seem to be putting out some fun stuff now. Yeah. And, and that's what they're, that's all that comes from Tucker. It comes from the top. You know, they tell their guys, hey, everything you do, we want to tailor towards recruiting. So whether that's putting Mel Tucker sneakers out on Sneaker Saturday or, you know, putting up a video that, you know, shows they're highlighting their own players and saying, hey, this could be you. Everything they're doing on social media is tailored towards recruits. And they think they think once they get those guys in, coach them up, develop them, they might have a winner here sooner rather than later. Well, there's only one way to do that, and that's to win actual games. Because yeah. the recruits will come, you know, you win some games, you build some draft picks, and all of a sudden, then you've got a juggernaut. But they had it, they lost it, and now they're trying to get it back. Colton Pouncey, thank you so much for uh, a very fascinating discussion about Michigan State. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andy.